Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. And tonight, we welcome writer-director Richard Bates, Jr. Richard, thank you for being here with us. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Richard has a new movie out called King Knight, uh, which is out now, like I said. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit. But we're going to go to the beginning with Richard. We're going to go back to where it all started, and that is a great film that Richard wrote, directed, started out as a short, then it went on to a feature film called Excision. Now, uh, we're going to break it down, you know, bit by bit. The inception of Excision, uh, it's such a unique story. I mean, actually talking to you for the first two minutes before we went live, I got a really good idea of how you thought that up. But I want you to tell the story. How did the story of Excision come to you? My gosh. Uh, so it was um, getting old, man. That was a, what was that, 2007, I think. Um, I don't know. It's, I was kind of trying to write a, a horror satire about where I grew up um, while I was still sort of feeling all those feelings. And um, it was my senior thesis project. Uh, in college and then um i came out here with it and i tried to you know i had a feature version prepared it was all sort of part of the plan and um no one liked it so you know i went from meeting to meeting to meeting um no one was into it so what i did was i i pa'd for a few years and i raised all the money myself uh, with a bunch of my friends i mean excision's got like 40 producers you know i was uh, in high school i was like the kid running around with a camera i used to go to film camp okay so like it was all i ever wanted to do and so um all these people from back home sort of in virginia were incredibly supportive and and all came together and um and we made it happen and it was it was just unbelievable we finished the movie uh, I, I bought bunk beds and put them in my living room because a bunch of my friends from college and high school flew out to, to work on it with me. Um, and then the, the rest of the crew was a lot of students, like freshman film school students. Um, and yeah, I dropped this DVD in a box and I found out, I guess, a few months later that it was going to premiere at Sundance. And I, I got to have a career. And that, that was really how it happened. That is great. Now, Pauline, obviously, uh, Excision revolves around the character of Pauline, this uh, disturbed teenage girl who wants to be a surgeon. Uh, what was the inspiration for Pauline in particular? I mean, here you have this very disturbed teenager, you know, starting to watch this film, this film is not going to end in a good way. It's not going to end with a happy ending. What inspired uh, the character of Pauline? Well, I think I think it, it the whole surgery aspect, it was this idea um, that you kind of, a lot of kids, at least growing up where I grew up in Northern Virginia, sort of lived to make their parents proud. By the way, if, I'm in Northern Virginia now. I'm I'm in Manassas. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, I, I was in uh, in like McLean, you know. Um, oh, that's just down the road. So yeah, so there was just this this heightened pressure. It was almost it was a strange public school where if you if you didn't get into a good college, you weren't cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? 
so there, it all sort of stemmed from that. It was this sort of uh, desire to please your parents at all costs, um, even if that meant deluding yourself into, you know, thinking you could do something that you didn't quite earn because of this pressure to achieve at such a young age. Um, and, and Pauline uh, is the complete opposite of that. She doesn't do anything to please her parents or school officials. In fact, she goes out of her way to make sure that everything she does goes against social norms. So is that where the satire part comes into it? Absolutely. But then then there's also this sort of hypocrisy, right? I mean, we're all hypocrites where deep, deep, deep down, she still wants to, you know, uh, what what could make her parents more proud than, than being a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And she sort of deludes herself, like I said, into believing she can do this thing and win them over uh, after she feels she's lost them. And uh, it's a sort of desperate uh, attempt to do that. And then her mother sort of realizes uh, that she's had a hand in, in sort of creating this and, and she breaks down, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, there's a strange moment uh, of connection between the two for the first time in the film. And that's, uh, that's how the short film ended as well. It was funny, I finished a short film and people would say, oh my goodness, I can't wait uh, for a feature. I'd love to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, that's the end of the story as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it is. And it's a great way to end it. Uh, when going from short to feature, it, it's happened quite a bit. It's launched plenty of careers, propelled a lot of careers. Uh, the feature film, because of, let's say, budgetary constraints, did you really have to tone it down from what you actually wanted to put on the screen? Um, no, because I, I wrote with the budget, budgetary constraints in mind. I mean, I, I always I always do just because each one of these movies, they're kind of, you know, I have this sort of dream of looking back someday on watching these movies when I'm old and it's sort of chronic chronicling my life, if you will, sort of, you know, like excision, high school, suburban Gothic, like post-collegiate malaise, you know, trash fire, trying to figure out uh, how to become an adult, what that means, you know, all these things. So, um, you know, tone deaf sort of a response to all the political turmoil going on at the time and this and confusion. And, and then, you know, this is sort of uh, King Knight is kind of about, you know, taking that next step into fatherhood. So, um, so, you know, I always write them so that, uh, if I can't get the budget I want, I can figure out a way to go make it, uh, regardless because I, you know, I've never had the budget I wanted for anything, but, but it's doesn't, it's never stopped me, you know, um, I, I like creating things and, and, you know, you can, you can usually always figure out a way. Exactly. I think the obstacle now let's talk about the casting. Uh, with Excision, you picked Annalyn McCord, uh, who was supposed to play this socially awkward teen, uh, Pauline. Uh, how do I phrase this? You guys really have to work hard in the makeup chair to make Annalyn appear as a socially awkward uh, teenage girl. She's a beautiful woman, uh, basically. Uh, what was it about her that you saw that made her perfect for the feature film to play Pauline? 
Well, I mean, she'll she'll be the first to tell you. You know, at first I didn't want her in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's this beautiful girl at nine hundred two one zero. You know, I said hell no. Uh, and um, I mean, can you imagine the sort of <laughs> the audacity of like a a twenty seven year old who never made a movie before doing that? But um, I did, and uh, and she really, really wanted to do it, and. Um, I was working with a few other actors from her agency and they said, look, just go have lunch with Anna Lynn, just knock it out. Just, she really wants to do this, please. And I said, okay, um, I'll do it. Uh, and I met her at some restaurant. Um, I don't know where the hell it was, but, uh, she was, she came in character, you know, I couldn't recognize her. Wow. And she, she had so really much. She really wanted the part. Yeah, it was really it was really exciting um, how much she related to Pauline, you know, and she had sort of the same similar sort of um, childhood in certain ways. And, you know, I remember pushing it and being like, you know, you're going to have to cut your hair. Uh, I don't see you know, your show's not going to let you do that. Um, and she took a knife off the off the table and she's cut, you know, she started cutting her hair off her real hair. Jeez. And I just said oh my goodness this this is pauline you can't and, say um, no now you know and now and now you know annalyn and i are like as close as any friends could be you know it's we we both sort of went through that whole process together as wild and you know she's amazing and yeah. and we even were able to use this sort of uh you know certain aspects of her beauty in the uh in the fantasy sequences where mm-hmm. it was sort of uh how she grew to see herself yeah. you know in her mind so. speaking of the fantasy sequences that's what makes this sort of like an for me like an artsy type horror movie very graphic sequences of her blood involving different characters the whole sex scene and how that and that wasn't a, a hallucination or a dream scene that actually happened but what what you you added quite a bit of blood in this movie. Uh, is that how you always wanted to go? What was the uh, the background for all that? Well, that was something that I always I wished I could have had even in the short, right? Um, but you know, with the short, there's super budgetary constraints. Um, you know, I know we shot the movie in seven or the short film in seven days. Um, we shot the feature in twenty seven. Hilariously enough, we shot my latest feature, King Knight, the entire feature in nine days. Um, wow. So two days longer than my uh, short film in college. Um, but, uh, the you know, I remember it was this whole, is very important to me, this sort of blood splatter by way of Jackson Pollock things. Beautiful, beautiful blood. And, and I'd always wanted to to sort of make that movie. And um, and when we, we figured out a way to pull it off, you know, uh, so the, I mean, the uh, motel scene is is based on a true story, uh, uh, <laughs> bits and pieces of it. Oh um, boy! But in, in case my mom's watching this, we we will not uh, yeah, better, get into details. Yeah, better stop there on that one. Uh, Matthew yep. Gray Gubler. Yep. Okay, he was in Excision, and he's also the star of uh, King Knight. When Excision mm-hmm. got made, he had a he had. Criminal Minds was well into seven years uh, in its prime. Hit show, 
Uh, Matthew has been on it from day one to the very last episode. Was Criminal Minds what uh, made you go after Matthew? Did you guys know each other? Actually, it's, yeah, it's, um, so I had my friend uh, from Virginia. I lived out here with four or five friends for, you know, who grew up. We went to different colleges, but after school, we all moved out here together. We got this little house, um, sort of, uh, you know, island of misfit toys type thing. <laughs> and um, and he was a production assistant on the show Criminal Minds. And I was uh, looking for a casting director and he gave me the information for the casting director of the show that he worked on. So I, I just called him, you know, I was just I was a pretty fearless 27 year old. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just walked in there and I, I met with the casting director and uh, he agreed to do the film. And he said, we're talking and he was like, man, you're a really weird kid. Uh, there's this really weird kid on this show. And I think you guys would be good friends. And I was like, oh, that's all right. And then he was like, no, no, no. He walked me on set, you know, like your first day in the kindergarten, like, truly embarrassing. I, I was, I was actually, I was actually angry. Uh, and you know, Matthew's shooting a scene. He's like, Matthew, this is Ricky. You guys are going to be friends. And Matthew, it's like, you know, okay. Uh, so I went home and at like 5 PM, I got a call from Matthew and he was like, Hey man, let's go drink some whiskey. And I said, okay. And, um, we went out and we drank some whiskey and, and honestly, he's been one of my best friends ever since, you know, he's like an older brother to me. He was the ordained, uh, minister at my wife and I's wedding. Wow. You know, he, so yeah, he's one of the, truly one of the best people I know. And like I mentioned, I mean, Criminal Minds, when you guys, when Excision came out, at least, was seven seasons. Uh, I mm -hmm. mean, it was, uh, it was, to call it a hit show is an understatement. His character, Spencer, was one of the most popular characters. Um, are you sure you're not leaving it? Because something doesn't fit there. I mean, here's this. I'm not leaving anything out. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he went to the same, we went, we both went to NYU, but he was older than me. I, you know, I never met him in school or anything. Um, that's quite literally what happened. Uh, that is so cool. He sounds like a really down to earth uh, guy that. I mean, he is, you know, I had my friends from Virginia. The, the first night we hung out, I had my friends from Virginia meet us at this bar and, you know, he, he, he crashed on our couch, you know, so uh, it's completely down to earth. And um, I, I've never known anyone who works harder and deserves his success more. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, he's in a sort of an elite club to be on a hit show for 15 years from day one to the very last day. And uh, there are not that many people that have, can say that. Then um, he still, as you'll you see from his filmography, still supporting all these you know independent filmmakers too. So that is so great. Uh, so it was a no-brainer when it came to King Knight. Uh, did you write the role uh, around him? Did you know right away that you wanted Matthew to play the lead role in King Knight? Well, so I, I usually don't do that, um, but he's the first person I asked. So I'd sort of written it, and then. I wrote it right after sort of Tone Deaf came out and I'd written the first draft fairly quickly, but, you know, and then, and then spent a lot of time sort of fine tuning it. But uh, I really wrote it sort of to make myself happy. You know, I'd been offered this, this witch movie that was a, it was a very good script. 
but it was kind of about uh, it was like about an evil witch and you know i was trying to figure out what, what, what would i do with this and then i realized I, I if i made a witch movie it wouldn't be that movie at all and so i got to writing this and i was having so much fun i called matthew and i said um you know i i'm just gonna go try to make this movie i've got a little bit of money saved up uh, i ended up taking out a loan as well to finish it and um and i said hey you want to go you want to go make a movie in uh, my yard and, uh, on a road and in a park and a few other places and he said sure thing man let's go do it you know and then so so with a movie like king knight which is what's really cool is you know when you direct a movie you have control over a lot of things but not everything mm -hmm. right um so casting is always the most important thing to me so it's something like this the same way uh things went down with excision I had full control over the casting and um, even with with King Knight, I mean, I was dealing directly with all the agents. I uh, negotiated the actor's contracts and all that stuff. You know, when you make these kind of indies, you kind of have to learn how to do everything. So exactly. so what was really cool was there, there's no one in the movie that, that I really didn't want there. So. Uh, is it true? I mean, I think it is true that uh, Matthew has been all your in all your films except Tone Deaf. Uh, Except for Tonda, yeah. Is that scheduling reasons? Did you want him and just it didn't work out? Scheduling, scheduling reasons, yep. Okay. Uh, so King Knight, uh, when the IMDb has the release date of 2021 uh, for theater and uh, video on demand. When did it officially release to the public? So it played at the Fantasia Film Festival over the summer. And that's where we sort of started to garner interest um, from companies. And uh, XYZ was really awesome and, and reached out. Mm -hmm. um, or, or, or I forget. I, I think I reached out first, actually, because I'm always, you know, uh, hustling, I guess, if you will. <laughs> uh, but um, but they, were, they were just the coolest. And then all my friends said, this guy, James, that, um, that works with XYZ, which is the greatest and i talked to him and he was just so straightforward and and honest and cool i you know so let's do it man um so it was always kind of too you know my dad passed away last year and his favorite movie um seven years old his favorite movie in the past many years was mandy uh he loved mandy um you know i mean he even got me like a mug for christmas that had the mandy poster on it so for it to for and you know xyz uh put that out so for xyz to do this is really kind of special and cool that is um, that is really i love them i mean I, I couldn't say a single negative thing about working with them uh you have spanned the subgenre of horror like uh king knight is a comedy uh excision man shoot i wouldn't even know how to cater uh, categorize that <laughs> uh do you do you like uh not you know pigeonholing yourself into a particular subgenre in horror uh do you like to explore everything you know like movies like excision king knight which is lighthearted, and continue doing different stuff and maybe even go outside of horror one day yeah i i mean I'll be honest, you know, my favorite, my favorite genre of movie is horror for sure. I mean, that's especially, you know, especially growing up. I mean, that was, um, I go back to my dad, you know, we would go to Blockbuster and, and rent all the horror movies. He would watch all the like gory horror movies with me. He's awesome. Um, 
And, uh, and so it's, and, and then at NYU, you know, uh, I was certainly the only person in my class who attempted to make a horror movie, you know, most, um, at the time, I, I don't know how, uh, how it, maybe, I don't know, hip horror was at the, at the, the school, but, uh, it was always my favorite. And so, so now when I make movies, I, I almost don't necessarily think about, um, genre at all it's just horror is always there because i love horror so much you know what i mean mm -hmm. i i try to kind of keep things as idiosyncratic as possible and try to make them feel like you know sort of uh living uh things you know i i because i i love more than anything the movies from directors where when I watch them, I feel like I'm in a, in a human's brain. Like this yeah. could never have been, you know, mass manufactured or anything, you know, uh, I'm literally getting a glimpse into someone's head. And that was always what excited me so much about delving into director's filmographies and all that stuff. I, I, I really love that. So I really try to, um, err on the side of, of, of this, of, of giving you a glimpse into what, I'm going through at the time I'm making it almost. A lot of filmmakers, uh, everybody has a different opinion on this, on film school. You went to NYU. Tish, I'm assuming you studied film, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. It's the best film school in the country, at least, you know, maybe the world. Um, how much of your success and in your career do you attribute to everything you learned at film school at NYU? Um, you know, it's i would say film school is really what you make it right so because i know i know kids that that went there and and maybe didn't care so much about film by the end of school you yeah. know um uh and i know kids like myself that like you know lived and breathed it and, and it was you know i treated each project as if you know the entire world was going to see it even though it was some um, you know weird student art film that makes me cringe watching now you know what i mean yeah so it's like that i think the best thing that happened to me at nyu it was moving to new york because it toughened me up um because being in virginia i was definitely um a little naive and i hadn't really sort of seen the darker side of of a lot of things uh, and I was really thrown out, out of my comfort zone in a very good way. Yep. And it was like instant grow up. You know, I remember coming back from school and the stories I would share with my friends who are, you know, at, at, at sort of more uh, college -y colleges. You know, it was from like, uh, I went to like a jazz club and I saw someone, uh, you know, fall off the stage and OD or something to them being like, I did a keg stand and I did, you know, it was just very weird. Very different. You know, I was born, yeah. in, I was born and raised in New York city for my the first 23 years of my life. I own my childhood home there. Now, uh, my main hangout, awesome. my main hangout area was Washington square park back in mm -hmm. the nineties when I was a teenager, you know, partying and all that into your early twenties. So Washington Square Park was our home base whenever we would go out and do everything. So I grew up and I saw all the film students around the park, which, by the way, NYU's campus, it doesn't have a traditional campus. The village is its campus 
basically. Right. Yeah. And you see all the film students around Washington Square Park. You know, I grew up watching them shooting around the park and you would see people gathering around and whatnot. And it's funny, your your story and my story are sort of opposites where you were born in Virginia and you went to New York. And my kids now who were considering NYU, I, me having grown up in New York City, that's always a fear. That city will swallow you whole if you let it. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. It will eat you up alive. Uh, the experience, aside from NYU, but just being in the, you know, New York City, in the village, uh, outside of school, would you say that was invaluable to you, the just priceless as far as life experience goes, and you've brought that into your films? Uh, I would say absolutely, yes, uh, unquestionably. Um, I mean, I think it's probably one of the most important things that ever happened to me. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, I loved movies so much because it was it was kind of like traveling, you know, yeah, I could watch this movie and travel to this country and watch this movie and hang out with this type of person. And, you know, and then, and, and then I'm in, in, in New York and, and I, everything is readily available to me. You know, I, I, I it was so uh, exciting and, um, and you're so young, you're fearless yeah. and, um, and you're invincible. Um, and then, you know, you get a little older, um, Sorry, I'm in LA. There's helicopters flying. Okay. Uh, but uh, and then you know you get a little older and you think, oh, what, what the hell was I thinking? I mean, I, I could have died like a thousand times, uh, mm -hmm. you know. And um, but but it was invaluable, you know. And, and I I love my I love my sort of quote unquote sheltered childhood, and I love my the gift um, of being able to sort of explore. New York City too, you know. And come so, to your and come into your own. Uh, find myself, I guess. Yeah. King Knight, uh, of course. Matthew Gray Gubler uh, is a star. He plays the character of Thorn. His co-star in the movie is Angela Sarafin. Angela has been doing a lot of work lately. Um, I interviewed another writer director recently, who had her in his film. The movie was called Caged. She was also in another film that came out uh, down by the bayou or out in the bayou, I believe it's called. She is a great actress. Um, how hard was it for you to find Willow for King's Night? Well, Willow was so important because it's so important to balance um, Matthew and the character of Thorne with someone who was a very sort of grounded dramatic actress yeah. you know what i mean especially because of a lot of the comedy stems from uh taking everything uh you know at face value and uh treating everything as you know even the smallest stakes sort of things as if they were high stakes right so to find angela and then and then meet with her and become friends with her uh, was just you know, truly, she's one of the kindest people that I've ever met. And I, um, you know, there's a, we had a Wiccan on set and uh, at the end asked her if she was a practicing witch and was just completely convinced. <laughs> it was, um, you know, because I, I just want to make sure that we, even when we're uh, satirizing something, that it was sort of in, you know, not being mean. Um, so uh, I went to, you know, I had my friends who are witches read the script and then, we did a lot sort of 
to in order to sort of walk that fine line, right? So uh, Angela, I mean, I, I hope to work with her again. I hope to work with her on a million movies. Um, she's become, you know, a great friend. And um, and she she makes so much of King Knight work. She makes mm-hmm. so much of the comedy work, you know. Absolutely. King's Knight, like you said, uh, it, it sort of pokes fun at sort of the new age uh, witch culture. Uh, what made you write about that in particular? What was the inspiration for King's for King Knight? Well, really, it, that that's where it sort of stemmed from me being offered that uh, evil witch movie and then wanting to sort of make a movie about um, my experience with witches. And even, you know, when I moved to New York, I, I would go to the Wiccan store. And I remember one of my I mean, one of my projects uh, sophomore year was a documentary uh, about Wicca. And um, a lot of my books in my library are still about that. So I feel like, you know, I've been doing research on it uh for as long as i can remember just because uh it's always the religion in and of itself has always really appealed to me and Mm -hmm. everyone's been you know who i've met who's a practicing member so kind so the idea you know one of my heroes john waters you know would say if you want to if you want to change somebody's mind make them laugh so i knew i knew that if i was to sort of uh be speaking to uh, people where I grew up and the family that I grew up in and uh, those around us uh, and try to explain Wicca as not being evil or Satan or whatever. Um, it was it was to sort of win them over with these kind of characters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and, and then, and people hate being told what to believe and how to think, right? So I know I couldn't be reverential like 100% and be like, this is the religion, this is the way, mm-hmm. you know, that's an immediate turnoff, I think, for, for everybody, uh, especially these days. So so really the message of the movie, right, is that we're all searching for the same answers to the same questions. Exactly, and you're absolutely right. If you go up to somebody and say, I'm a practicing witch, it's an automatic negative connotation. Okay, you're a witch, you know, especially in yeah, Yeah. in most of the country. I mean, let's go back to the Wizard of Oz. Let's go back a couple, several hundred years to the witch trials that have went on. It's just a negative connotation. Have you received a lot of positive feedback from the uh, Wicca Wiccan community on what you were trying to do? Yeah, you know, I I really have. I've been so um, so sort of grateful. It's you know, from the script stage onwards, uh, you know, I had my friends who are witches read it and and sort of fine tune jokes uh, so that you know they were um, you know so that I was being sort of uh, funny but consi- as mm-hmm. considerate as possible too. So you know that was always important to me. And and, um, and even though we're sort of riffing on things and uh, uh, certain rituals and whatnot. Uh, you know, I think if you're a practicing Wiccan, you see a lot of um, a lot of research went went into the movie. You know, and and of course, it's it's really funny because you know they they the coven in King Knight are eclectic Wiccans, right? So they're mm-hmm. pulling from all these different sort of religions too. And you know, but even Wicca has its traditionalists who don't believe in the eclectic Wiccans mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it's it, it really is like you know it, so many other religions in in that aspect. Um, but, uh, but truly, you know, I've never met a, uh, 
approve of members of any religion as kind and sweet as, as, absolutely. as wicked. Absolutely. Uh, as a writer, do you have like a, a ton of scripts that are ready to go? Or do you like to write a particular screenplay and then try to get it made before writing something else? Um, I usually, I write to filmmake. So I try to, I try to write what I'm feeling at the time, um, almost as if it's like a mad diary entry of sorts, um, you know, masked in the guise of a film. And then I just go out there and, and figure out a way to make it, you know, um, would you be yeah. uh, open to somewhere down the line as your career progresses to selling a script, letting somebody else direct it, or no? I mean, you wrote it, you want to direct it. Uh, I, I definitely, I never want to say never, right? Um, so I, I don't want to like limit myself in that way, but I, I certainly get the most joy out of making these personal things. You know, I think I know so many people that are uh, indie filmmakers as a stepping stone, right? It's yeah. a stepping stone to get to the next thing. And uh, all my heroes are lifelong indie filmmakers. You know, I want to be a career indie filmmaker. And, you know, if I can, if I can keep a roof over my head and do that, that's what I want to do. Um, I'm not, it's not sort of, I don't, I'm not treating this as sort of you know the the next uh, run on the way to the top of the ladder yeah, yeah you're uh, not doing this for glory or riches you're doing it because you love it it just makes me so it, it, happy you know it's like mm -hmm. really my like reason for living uh so i i love it so so yeah i i don't ever i don't want to say never but you know it's so much time and effort to to um you know you structure it and then you restructure it and then you play around with the structure and then you know all these things that I really, by the time I'm done with it, it ends up being so personal. I, I, I it would just kill me not to go try to make it. I, I guess. Know. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I can totally understand. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Richard. Before we go, I want to ask you um, one last question. Are you, yeah. are you in LA now? Is that now where, where you call home? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, my wife and I got this nice little, little house in mid city and i got a garage to work out of and uh I, you know not a complaint in the world honestly i'm a pretty lucky dude so you left the east coast for and you're now you're a west coaster <laughs> i know i know i pretended not to like it you know because you're supposed to when you first leave new york you have to say fuck california yeah. but now i now i i really do love it you know i have a little a little patch of grass to my right and uh you know it's just no, it's LA beautiful oh. LA is beautiful who wouldn't like to go out especially now this time of year in february in shorts and a, you know a t i am i am wearing i am in my we are freezing our asses off here in virginia you know just outside of dc it's like oh, I, I spoke with my mom earlier today she was yeah she's telling me it's cold richard thank you so much uh thank you man i i really appreciate it. this is a super fun interview so uh, oh thank you uh Again, just one last question. Directing or writing, which do you love the most? Directing. Directing. Hands down, not even... Uh, the writing super therapeutic, um, but it can it gets really lonely, and my favorite thing is to collaborate with all the other artists. Nice. You know, it's all kind of 2D until, it, you know, an actor brings it to life. Absolutely. Now, for our viewers out there, King Knight is available on your uh, streaming platform of choice to rent or buy uh 
please do please keep please the roof do. over my watch head. the movie it's funny it's great you're gonna love it uh it it's listed as having a theatrical release as well did it get a theatrical yeah release? so i actually that's why i'm so i'm kind of tired right now i was just in austin goobs and i did a, a few shows in la uh then we premiered in austin over the weekend uh, now uh, we got some in phoenix um we We've got a week-long stretch here in L.A. I, I know we actually played in Virginia at the Alamo. Alamo, I think a lot of one-offs in, in uh, like nine or something Alamo theaters. I, I, I'm not quite certain. Um, nice. But I remember our graphic artist, you know, who did the animated sequence, this really great guy in a B who lives in D.C., he got to, he drove an hour and a half or whatever out in Virginia and saw his, his first uh, animated work in a feature on a big screen and cool. he was freaking out. And it was so awesome to hear from him. It was, it was actually one of my happiest moments in the whole thing. He was so uh, psyched, you know. That is so awesome. Guys, again, yeah. check out King Knight. It's available on your digital streaming platform of choice to rent or buy. You won't regret it. It's great. Thank you again to our guest, Richard Bates Jr. Thank you to our audience who's watching this live or is watching this later on. Richard, any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Um, no, no, no. Sounds I good. <laughs> I'm tapped out, man. <laughs> I totally hear you. Guys, till next time, on behalf of Richard and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Good night. Thank you again.